the Brand Herald podcast, where leaders explore how great brands are built. Join Landon Wade, owner of Goodson Clothing and Supply Company, as he interviews business leaders and marketing experts to learn about the successes and failures of building great brands. One last thing, the views and opinions shared by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Enjoy the show. All right. I want to uh, welcome everybody to another episode of the Brand Herald podcast, uh, where we have conversations with uh, our customers, uh, leaders in the community, um, just really people exploring the concept of branding and um, trying to understand what it is. I actually posted a, I posted to LinkedIn today a Forbes article that um, the title of it was "What Is Marketing," which is obviously pretty tied to branding. So the whole purpose of this podcast is to explore the topic of branding, and I'm excited to have Lisa Siebert, who is the founder and CEO of Mightily, with me today. Uh, they are a brand advertising agency here in Louisville, Kentucky. So first of all, Lisa, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Landon. Good morning. Morning. Uh, very cold here today. We were just talking about that. Uh, it is. 21 degrees this morning when I went to a workout and not much warmer than that now. So, but uh, all right. So uh, I'm excited to have this conversation. Lisa and I have spent some time together before this and had some really good, we had some really good, uh, I think, dialogue around the topic of branding. And um, I'm excited for folks listening to hear what Lisa has to share about this. Um, Lisa's been in the Louisville community a heck of a lot longer than me. Uh, I moved here in 2013. I've lived here 10 years, but Lisa is kind of uh, born a racer. So without further ado, Lisa, maybe just help us get to know you a little bit. If you could just tell us uh, a little bit about like your background. Sure. So, um, you know, being the, the Louisvillian, it's uh, a little bit different when I say where I grew up and went to high school, which everybody asks you. So I grew up in Taylorsville which is about 25 miles outside of downtown Louisville and went to what was then Taylorsville, now Spencer County High School. So uh, people can't connect with that so much, but uh, born and raised in Taylorsville, uh, grew up in my mom and dad's business that they operated for 70 years on Main Street. My dad was electrician, builder, plumber, you name it, dad did it. And they had a antique uh, store in the front and dad shop in the back. So he also was uh, the longest serving elected official in the state of Kentucky, having served about 60 years on city council in Taylorsville. So grew up knowing I did not want to be a politician, <laughs> and but grew up with that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, from dad uh, having you know, traveled all over the world and came home and started his business uh, that he ran until he passed away. So, um, you know, kind of stayed in this area, mostly went to UK and U of L. So I went to both. Uh, that's so why you I root choose for one both. Now? People are like, you, I, I root for both, but if it comes down to it, I grew up a UK fan. So I'm still a UK fan at heart. So, but, you know, I totally support L as well, uh, unless they play each other. And then. So if you're, if you're cats. forced to choose, it's the cats. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I've lived in Austin, Texas for a little while. Uh, but other than that, have been in the Louisville area, uh, have a son and daughter, uh, the daughter, works for me, uh, as does her husband, who is my partner. So Lance Swan, uh, 
was my very first employee, gosh, 16 years ago, um, and is still here, but now a partner in the company. And then I have a uh, granddaughter who's just turned six named Ella. And my husband is, and who I'll talk about in a little bit as to how we got this all started, uh, is a retired bum now. <laughs> so I'm jealous. Um, but other than that, I, you know, uh, a fun fact a lot of people don't know about me is that uh, my minor is in music. Uh, and I classically trained soprano and had sang with the Louisville Orchestra Masterworks Chorale for several wow. years. Uh, so that that music's kind of where this all got started um, and what what drove us to start the company. Uh, so that that's a little bit about me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I uh, Now, I'm just curious before we go, you actually set me up really well for the next question, but I do want to ask this. So your dad was, sounds like your dad was an entrepreneur. So is that... Is that like a family thing, like outside of your, like your whole family? Or is that just more like maybe just a, your dad thing? No, just dad. Really? Okay. You know, yeah. it's yeah. funny that you mentioned antiques because I, um, and, and maybe you get the sense of this when you look at the Goodson brand and just, the, you know, the Goodson brand is kind of this old meets new. And I love, I love makers. I love handmade things. I love leathers, woods, you know, all of it. And everything about antiques appeals to me. Like, and I have told my wife several times, I'm like, if I ever made enough money just to do it, or just to do something because I wanted to do it, it would be an antique shop, like hands down. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, there aren't a lot left anymore. Uh, we just sold and closed uh, the business. My mom was still running it at 92 wow. years old. Uh, gave her something to do. It was a block and a half from her house. She loved it. You know, people would come in and visit and got to meet new people and, you know, got the news of the day from local people who would come in. Uh, but yeah, there used to be one in Mount Washington and one in Bardstown and then mom and dad's store in Taylorsville and they're all gone now. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's not a lot of businesses like they had around. I mean, there's still antique stores, but theirs was more focused on a little bit. You could come in and get parts for your lamps and, you know, have them rewired or, you know, people just don't. Yeah. Do they that definitely kind of don't anymore. Yeah. You know, we're, we're kind of a disposable society. Very much. Yeah. You know, people you know, thought, Oh, well, if this lamp doesn't work, I'll just throw it away and go buy another. Yeah. No, that's, I, that's a great point. I think that's the big thing that always hits me is I'm always like, um, you know, where, in 10 years or 15 years, where are you going to go to get old stuff? Because now if you go to an antique store and you find something was handmade, you know, 30, 40, 50 yeah. years ago, at some point, it's the stuff that we have and we don't make anything like that anymore. So when, when does the day come where there is no yeah. more antique store? Cause there's nothing left, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, right. So one question, just, um, I, I think I asked that I told you I wanted to ask this and it's good. You know, people come to Louisville, they're not from here. What's one or two places that you're like, you got, you come here, you got to go here. Oh, um, for me, um, you got uh, for a restaurant, uh, selfish because he's a friend and he actually lives in Taylorsville. Uh, but uh, go to Valari. Josh Moore does a great job. Uh, yeah, Italian restaurant. Everything's made in house and all the produce is grown on his farm in okay. Taylorsville. Uh, so, uh, you know, fun fact. For things to do, there's so much stuff to do in Louisville. People have no idea when, you know, you tell people, I've hosted a couple of conferences here, and you tell them, you know, you're coming to Louisville, and they're like, 
well, what's there really to do in Louisville? Um, but getting to take people around and experience our city from their perspective as a tourist is a lot of fun. So there's a couple places you have to go to Churchill Downs just because it's the iconic, you know, kind of trademark of Louisville, but also, you know, Slugger Museum, Speed Museum, uh, just walking around downtown and taking a look at the, you know, Louisville is one of the largest collection of iron front buildings in the country. Um, wow. So a lot of people don't realize that. So just, you know, depending on what it is you like to do. And then the the other fun thing that we have that a lot of people don't, in fact, most people don't, is the Bell of Louisville. And you get to cruise up and down the river on an iconic historic riverboat. Um so there's yeah. a lot to do. Yeah, that's awesome. It's hard to give you. No, just it's good. I like, I like, and I agree. I mean, not being from here, there's a tremendous amount to do and it's just getting better. It seems like over time. Um, so I want to transition to talk a little bit about mightily in particular. Um, I know the road, as you kind of alluded to a little bit ago, the road to get to mightily was, is an interesting mm-hmm. one starting with, you know, that, uh, background of music and things like yeah. that. Tell, maybe just quickly summarize kind of the roadmap, uh, to get you to where we are today with mightily. Sure. So uh, going back to the music piece, my husband is also a musician. He's a uh, jazz trained at Ohio State uh, pianist. Um, and he, uh, yeah, good bucks. And he is a composer, you know, keyboard player, pianist. So he had a band back in 1999, um, that, uh, kind of a cross between kind of Euro pop rock across between Depeche Mode and Nine Inch Nails. Um, and so Greg's real job was he was head of mainframe systems for Kroger corporate. So he's the programmer. Uh, so he ran all other mainframe systems and, and actually uh, coded a couple of them that they still use today. So his band back in 99, uh, harassed him. They're like, look, you're a programmer. Why don't you build us a website? And we'll be, you know, the only local band with a website. So Greg came home with the then Macromedia suite of Hmm. products that Adobe bought later on. And so, and (laughs) killed pretty much. Yeah. Well, not so much. I mean, you still have Dreamweaver. That's true. It was freehand. They killed. uh, It it was freehand. They killed. And yeah. Uh, Which was okay. Uh, But yeah. So he comes home with that. He goes, we're going to build a website for the band. And I was like, well, that'll be interesting because I can draw stick people. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, and I had no idea how to do programming. And of course, web was really evolving and getting more in the public space at that point. Um, and a lot of companies did not have, I mean, big companies had websites, but small businesses, you know, you had your yellow page ad, you didn't have a website. And so, um, yeah, stacks of books later from Barnes and Noble on PHP and HTML, because CMS is like WordPress and Wix and all of that did not exist at that time. You had to hard code everything. So, um, and Greg being a mainframe programmer, it's a lot different from web. So he would sit behind me and go, make it do this. And I would look through the book and find the code to make it do that. (laughs) And uh, built a website for the band that was cool for 99. It did not have scrolling, flashing yellow text like a lot of the old ones back in the day did. 
And uh, I thought, you know, it was something fun to learn. I've always been the the sci-fi nerd, you know, the tech geek. I like new gadgets and trying new things. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, it's something fun to fun to learn. And about three months later, his lead singer's wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, called, and she's uh, president now of a supply chain company here in Louisville called Go Global. They do a lot of Six Sigma and Lean work with mostly manufacturing companies, um, a bunch of XGE people. And she called and she said, you know, we've got this client who's a manufacturing company in Covington and they need a website. And we're fed up with the company that we've been working with and who I will not mention, but is local. And um, so she said, we want you to do it. And I'm like, well, I don't have a company. And she said, we'll start one. And, you know, looking back, growing up in mom and dad's business, but I'd also owned a couple of restaurants prior uh, at the resort, golf resort in Taylorsville, Sellers Trace, and at Brightleaf Resort in Harrodsburg. So I, you know, dipped my toe in that entrepreneurial world prior. And uh, she said, you know, you know how to do this, just start one. So, you know, Greg came home, we talked about it. It's like, yeah, well, what the heck? So filed the paperwork the next day and founded Extreme Media, uh, whose focus really was at that point, web dev, because nothing else we do now other than brand really existed. And we weren't designers, we were developers. So it was pretty much focused on web dev. So we built the website for that company in Covington. And over the course of the next year, we had about eight clients, all of whom were referrals from that same group. And so, you know, Greg made the comment, he goes, you know, if you're going to keep this as a hobby, then that's fine. But, you know, it's going to be tough for you to continue working, you know, the 45 to 50 hours at Kroger because I oversaw the inventory, cost accounting and accounts payable for the non-perishable division of Kroger. So that's what I did. So it was 45 to 50 hours a week. So I'm the I'm the reformed corporate uh-huh. accountant, uh, not a CPA but reformed corporate accountant. And, you know, you had the safety of Kroger because we have to eat. So that job's not going away. And at that time in the Kroger uh, lifespan, you had pension and 401k and all of that. So, you know, that's hard thing to walk away from. Um, But, you know, I had to make the decision of, do I just leave this where it is and stay at Kroger? Um, Or do I make the move and yeah, really focus on the company. So um, in October of 2000, I made the decision to walk away from the corporate job and really focus on extreme media. And that was 23 years ago last month. Wow. That's crazy. And you were really on the beginning. I mean, that was really, that was the beginning of the whole dot oh, yeah. thing. Was, the timing was probably excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you talk to people about, you know, it, it was uh, really interesting when you talk to people about, you know, you need a website for your business and they look at you like, nah, that's just one of those things. There'll be a flash in the pan. Yep. You know, I've got my yellow pages ad. I've got, you know, I'm good. Um, so it, it's been interesting seeing all the evolutions in our business that have occurred just in what's really a short time span of, you know, 20 years or so. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been an interesting ride. No doubt. Yeah. And I mean, even you mentioned just how easy it is to spin some of this stuff up today. 
um, you know, everything from, I mean, heck, I mean, I was talking with the, one of the guys that's, uh, one of the brothers with shady rays. And I said, you know, it's, it's crazy that not only do we live in a world where you can spin up a website in minutes, but you can spin up a fairly sophisticated inventory carrying and distributing business almost overnight. I mean, you can have a website between with, with Shopify, you can have ordering, there are there are off the shelf warehouse management yeah. systems with barcode. I mean, literally in a very short period of time, you can have a pretty sophisticated operation. Things that used to take tremendous amounts of money and time to create are now just turnkey. Oh. Yeah. So the first, um, yep. You said the first. So so you started Extreme Media, and it was like really. It looked like you started Miley in 2013. Mm-hmm. Do I have that? Do I have that right? Right. So tell right. me, yeah, tell yep. me a little bit about like you, so you ran, it looks like you kind of ran full time with Extreme Media for about 13 years. And then I think you shared a little bit of this with me, but yeah, share a little bit about kind of what, what brought Mightily about. Sure. So, uh, true. Yeah. We, uh, we operated, you know, for 13 years as Extreme and, and at the point, the last couple of years had some larger clients, uh, who were looking for additional services outside of just web dev. And at that point, we had actually evolved into doing some digital marketing as it had come around uh, in the late 2000s. Uh, so, but they, they were looking more for a graphic design work, brand work, you know, things like that. But they wanted to call one place. They didn't want to have to work with a bunch of different agencies. So that's kind of what prompted us to start looking at, okay, how do we add this into our services? And does it make sense for the clients that we have currently? Uh, And it did for, like I said, the couple of larger ones that we had that we still work with today. Um, But for the smaller ones, they really didn't need a lot of that work. Uh, so we made the decision that we probably should spin up a separate company focused on more midsize and larger clients, uh, where extremes focus was really small business, small nonprofit. And, you know, still is, we still have a couple of clients that we've had for a long time, uh, actually 18 and 19 years, um, that, um, yeah, we, we built, small websites for them. We still host their websites. Yeah, we do updates for them. We'll help consult on some social media things for them, but that's, that's really all they need. Um, so, but the bigger companies, you know, need advertising, need brand strategy and positioning. They need sophisticated websites. They want custom design websites. They don't want templates. Um, they, you know, they need uh, consulting on social media and how do they do that, uh, media buying and management. So a totally different uh, group of services than, than what uh, Extreme does. Got it. Yeah. So, so tell me um, just a really quick snapshot. Like what would you just what would you say is the primary work of Mightily today? I mean, as you mentioned, so you go back to 2000, we started Extreme sure. and it's like, you know, you had that was like started a website. Then 10 years later, it's kind of the start of digital marketing. And then the the day and age we live in today is Mm -hmm. it just moves so rapidly. So yeah, tell me a little bit, just, you know, what's the work of Mightily today? It does. Yeah. So we've got three core areas that we focus in. One is brand. So brand strategy, positioning, messaging, a logo, if you need one, Uh, really getting that brand right and that message right. 
technology is still a big core of what we do. Probably half of the work we do almost is web dev and design and systems integration uh, and custom plugin development, um, you know, both on the regular and e-com side of the business. And then uh, media uh, is the other yeah, kind of vertical. So media strategy, planning, buying, ongoing management, uh, are kind of the three areas we focus most yeah. in. Um, and so this is, you know, again, a great, I think, transition to the conversation around branding, which is, you know, again, kind of the, the main, mm -hmm. the main reason for the, for the podcast, this episode is, so you talked, you and I've talked about this, that brand is really hard to define, um, kind of mentioned that early. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you ask 10 people to define brand, you're probably going to get 10 different answers. Talk a little bit about that from your perspective. Sure. So I think the problem with, and the reason that you get all of those answers is defining a brand means you have to get the core, get to the core of who you are as a business and why you exist. And for some people, that's really hard. It really because is. They, they want to, be all things to everybody. And it's hard to tell them you can't. Yeah, that you really have to focus on what you truly offer as an organization or a company, and then define that for who it is that you're trying to connect with. Um, and it's really hard for people to take that step back and, and not say, so, I mean, we've run into some that, that are really focused. They know exactly what they do and who their target is and what they're trying to accomplish. But I, I mean, we've had hundred plus year old companies that have no idea how to talk about or communicate what they truly do. Cause they do, they either do so many things that it's hard for them to narrow it or, companies that are growing and they want to be everything. And it's like, but what do you do best? What's the core of what you do? And getting them to really focus on that is hard. And, you know, understanding about how it drives, you know, values and their, you know, their unique selling proposition that they have um, and, and just, and how it ties to their mission and vision uh, if they have, yeah, yeah, you know, you'd be surprised. Some of these hundred plus year old companies don't have one, um, or it's something really long that means nothing to anyone. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's hard for companies sometimes to really take that step back and look inside uh, and figure out who they truly are and how do they communicate that to the people they're trying to reach. Yeah, it's. It hits home with me because I think it's it's especially difficult for, you know, like really just what I would call just scrappy sort of blue collar entrepreneur type people who just sort of hung a shingle out there and went out and scraped and clawed to create something. And yeah, it's I mean, and that's that's me. I just had a friend the other day ask me, he said, you know, what's your what's your plan over the next few years? And it was just like to grow. And he's like, but grow how? Like yeah. and. You know, so we're we're engaged in work internally to try to make sure, and this is some of what, what I shared with you when we met, try to create some ways to um, not only communicate up front better, like you said, who we are and what we're about, try to understand the value that we really bring as opposed to what we think we bring, and then put together processes to help onboard clients better so that we can match, you know, match better. But it is absolutely, I mean, center of the target that I think most people just struggle uh, 
they really do struggle to know, you know, what you said, which is, you know, the core of who you are and why you exist. And I think they just get so caught up in executing on the work that's coming at them that they it's and what they yeah, do. Exactly. They're just yeah. doing it that they don't take they don't step back from that. Yeah. Now, the the next question, I think, and, and this is a great I mean, you've talked about this a couple of times. A lot of people, I think, confuse logo, color, uh, just the nuts and the bolts of a uh, the aesthetics of a brand in quotes as the brand and mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit because i do think that's a confusion point for a lot of people yeah it is people when you say well what's your brand oh here's our logo well no you know a, a logo is an expression of your brand that should have been driven by your position and messaging it's like okay how do you communicate that position and message and and a mission vision if you have it in a mark. Um, and you know, it's, it's similar to an ad you create or the social media profile you put up. It's an expression of that brand and it helps to, to communicate it, but it's not the brand. You know, the brand, as we, we just talked about is who you are, what you are, why should people care? Why, you know, you know, what makes, you know, what about the message that you're putting out makes people want to buy from you versus somebody else? Um, and I think, you know, that brand has to move them to take action. Now, if you create a well-defined brand and associate it with an identifiable mark, and then that mark can become synonymous with the brand, like Apple's Apple or the Nike Swoosh. So no matter where you either see the logo or you see the name, it evokes some sort of emotion and makes you feel something. Um, But yeah, that takes a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of going back to my original thought of that brand positioning and messaging that no matter where people see you, you look the same, you talk the same, you say the same things. um, And it takes a lot of work. Took them a lot of years to get there. Yeah. I, it's a great, I think the way you said it, that the logo is an expression of the brand. And it's, it's funny, uh, you know, sort of in church speak, I hear people say all the time, like, we're all being discipled. We're all being discipled, so to speak. It's just <laughs> exactly. by what or by whom. And, yeah. and so your logo, your, your, your logo is a part of your brand and it's evoking some kind of a thought. But the reality is what thought? So it's not that people are feeling something when they look at it. And the idea is to back up and say, wait a second, make sure that we really define, like you said, and it's funny, I've said it for a long time. It's like people, customers really care about, you know, who are you? What do you do? And why should I care? Or said differently, what problems that yeah. I potentially have what do you that solve? I solve? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that today it seems like branding is a lot more about belonging to something and building community, um, even more so than I feel like it ever has been. Um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you agree with that? Is that you know a big part of the work that you're doing? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and that's why getting that message in position is so key uh, because it gives customers or members or whatever you're trying to do something that they can identify with. If they can identify with your brand's core position and messaging, they're more likely to become repeat customers and advocates. Uh, And it's all about that community. And then they'll become a community just inherently on their own. You know, they'll tell people about it. I mean, 
you know, they will go stand in line because uh, of that brand and that loyalty, you know, drives consistent revenue, but it also acts as, you know, as I was just mentioning, organic marketing and word of mouth, you know, when, you know, I've seen people post a question on Facebook, you know, where can I find, you know, the best rug? And then you get 30 responses of, you know, and all of a sudden you start noticing that some of those responses are the same. And it's because that company has built out, you know, a brand that those people resonate with and believe in. So they feel comfortable uh, in, you know, telling other people about it. And I think, you know, uh, as you mentioned, as business has changed and everything, how we do it has changed. You know, we're in an era where consumers are bombarded with choices. Absolutely. I mean, you see 4 million choices. You know, having a distinct and defined brand can help you cut through and capture people's attention and hopefully create, you know, a lasting impression. And to your point, build community, build those brand loyalists, those people who will advocate for you no matter what. It's like, you know, uh, uh, Android versus Apple. I mean, Android at the end of the day is a better product, but because Apple has done such a great job in building their brand and building the loyalty and behind community. that brand, you will pay and community, you will pay more for it. You will go stand in line to get one when the new one comes out. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, you know, increases value just overall of your core brand. And I think, you know, when you mention community, something else people don't usually talk about when it comes to brand, but brands also important in community with your employees. It helps you, a, a well-defined and yeah. positioned brand will help you attract better uh, talent and also help you create a better culture that your staff can be proud to be associated with. And then they become, you know, that community of advocates along with your customers. So it's, there's a lot to, you know, branding and what, you know, what it can do for your company. I've I think it, you you make a great point there that your brand positioning matters, obviously matters a ton externally, but probably today matters equally internally. And um, yeah. I, I've, I've said that, you know, the book that I want to write, the title of it is Love, the, Love Your Customers from the Inside Out, meaning, and the whole premise of the book is that the best way to run a company today is actually you focus initially on getting that branding right so that you get your staff right. And you get full buy-in from your team because if you have full buy-in from your team, then it becomes much easier and almost just a natural outgrowth to provide the value and the customer experience that you ultimately want to provide um, to the customer. And, uh, you know, so yeah. I, that's, I think it's, I think it's excellent. Because they're, yeah, they're your point of contact to that customer. So if they believe in what you do and, and what you're selling or the product that you're providing, then they'll do their best job. But if they don't, they're just there to tick a clock and, and do work. Exactly. And especially for what we do, you know, you know customers are re relying on us to be able to understand and then communicate their brands, whether it be through a new website or logos or positioning or marketing and media buying that we do. So, you know, we have to believe in what we do in order to do it for our clients. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
One of the things, you know, as you, as you kind of think, through, you know, working down that funnel, of this idea of like understanding what brand is, whether you define it differently, still philosophically, this idea of kind of getting clear on, you know, who are you and, and why do you exist, the value and then that you bring. And then you sort of, you know, coalesce around this idea of building community. Obviously, the work that we do is sort of in between. I mean, you, you guys are... Um, you're the brand advertising agency kind of, you know, in, in the in the grand scheme, you're kind of up here in the mind of the client. And then there's, you know, down lower is tends to be some people who, who provide things that we do in our space. Then we kind of try to sit in the middle. From your perspective, what is the role that branded clothing and promotional items, uh, you know, tangible logo items have as you work with clients uh, to build brand? Um, we always tell clients they're kind of like walking billboards if you have t-shirts out or, or, you know, mugs or cups or whatever it is. Once we defined our mightily brand, you know, we made things so you could see yep. our little you know, cup, uh, but you know, something like this that you can give clients, you know, if it's something nice, uh, that's not too obtrusive, you know, uh, but it's something that a lot of people will use. Um, they, they, they remember that and they see it every day. They pick this up to take a drink and they see it every day. Um, and it, if, if people are willing to wear uh, something that's got your name on it, that goes back to that brand loyalty and brand advocacy. You know, that's just another way that they can communicate that I like this brand. If they don't have any connection to your brand, they probably are like some of the t-shirts I get or some of the other things I get, you know, in swag bags and all of that. It's like, eh, yeah, no, I don't need another t-shirt in my drawer. Yeah. And so it goes to, yeah, be donated or, you know, whatever. So I think, you know, that it certainly plays a place kind of like that logo and helping communicate your brand and position your brand. Yeah. I, I think what you and I had talked about, and I, I think the tie into the logo being this expression of the brand, I think is a great way to describe, you know, smartly chosen branded clothing and promotional items. It's, it's an, it's another expression of the brand. It's a tangible expression of the brand. And what I feel like you're kind of leading up to, and I've mentioned this book in like every episode I've done and, but is that Simon Sinek book start with why, which is what you're saying is if people identify with your brand and they wear it, <clears throat> use the cup, use the bag, put the sticker on their cup, you know, whatever it is, if they if they get to a point where they identify with it because it says something about them that they want other people to know that to me, that's ultimate victory in, in brand building. And, you know, the use of those kinds of clothing and items and, 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 and not just any clothing and items, but, and that's kind of where we come in and what we hope to provide is, you know, we're not, we're not up here at the level you are where we're helping people work through their brand positioning. We're not creating logos, but for the companies that have a logo and ultimately have, have a brand that they're very interested in building, we would be, we, we hope to be, and we work to be the ideal partner to say, now we can come in because we're thinking like a mightily thinks about branding. And we want to help you pick not just products, but the right products to create a tangible expression of that brand. So, right. No, exactly. And, and, you know, where you'll get some people who, you know, probably won't share your information online, but they'll use this cup and they'll wear your t-shirt. So they're kind of silently 
promoting, you know, your brand. But, you know, to me, it means even more if they're going to wear and be seen wearing or using, you know, something that has your name on it, because you're right. It, it means that, that they believe in your brand and are, you know, feel comfortable enough to support it in that way. Yeah. And that means you've built a really good That's brand right. that people want to support and Sure. Everything that we do, I think, is a combination of art and science. And that's, to me, the part of branding that's the art part, which is like you can certainly work with someone like like Mightily. You can then work with someone like us. Some of building your brand is out of your control. It's going to be the things you do work, yeah. um, you know, impact people's thoughts, their reaction. But then it it's funny, really successful brand building sometimes just takes on a life of its own. Like you you've done the work and then all of a sudden all the people that identify with it just it, it it takes off and uh and some of that sh- yeah. shifts away from your control and uh and that to me is when you obviously that's one of those uh sort of uh litmus tests to go wow okay we what we've done is working it's worked mm-hmm. um over the years i'm curious just really quick and I, I i had given you this question do you have any examples that come to the top of your mind in terms of branded clothing and promotional items things you've seen done really well with that with with those things and things maybe not done well uh, yeah, I think it goes back to the Apple and Nike piece uh, because they they've just done it right. Um, yeah, people are proud to wear a swoosh on their chest or you know have an Apple on the back of their phone, um, and so they've created that loyal following, loyal customers who, you know, if they give them a T-shirt with their logo on it, they're going to wear it. Um, not done well. I hate throwing people under the bus. <laughs> there, there are so, and and I think we talked about the other day another brand that I think that's literally right under my office is Duluth Trading, who have done a great job of understanding who they are and who their target customer is, and communicate and creating a brand that resonates with and communicates to that that target customer. Uh, it's a little bit irreverent. They have fun with it, and everywhere you see them, they show up the same way, the same imagery, the same messaging, the same positioning. And because of that, you know, what's a lot of people probably don't know, the store here on Main Street, which has no parking, it's not really easy to get to, is one of their busiest stores in the country. It's also beautiful. Uh, I mean, mean, that's one thing. It is. I think that's one thing about Duluth that they also do is they understand the continuum, what I would call the continuum of branding. So it starts with, you know, this understanding of, of our identity. Then you've got this logo mark, but then you have the expression of that brand in the space, which is you go in there and it, it very much, the space is 100% consistent with what you would expect to see if you experience their brand. And the expression of the brand and their products, how they name them, how they talk about them, everything. No doubt. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. So my last question for you as we're coming down the home stretch here is, <clears throat> you know, people listening to this are going to have varying degrees of um, experience and resources. I mean, generally, a lot of things tend to fall into three buckets. You know, you're going to have the person out there that's listening to this who maybe agrees philosophically, but has absolutely no resources outside of themselves. Then you're going to have people kind of in the middle who have a little bit, probably like myself and our company. And then you have people at the top who have lots of resources to put towards this. Just, I'm just curious quickly, what advice would you have for maybe each of those three people listening uh, if, they, if they feel like maybe they're missing the mark on some of the things we've talked about? Sure. Um, 
Yeah, first and foremost, just sit down on your own and and really go through that exercise for yourself of of who are you? What do you want to be? Who truly are you trying to communicate with and what are you trying to sell or offer to people and, and a point you said earlier, you know, what pain point are you solving for people? You know, if they come to your website or they see a flyer about you or a brochure, you know, what is it that you immediately want people to you know, resonate with? What what sort of emotion do you want to invoke in them that when they come there like, yes, they can help me with whatever it is that you know, I'm looking for, you know, past that, you know, we've evolved over the years and, and we're actually building out some uh, packages for lack of a better word for startups and smaller businesses, because I think it's important for these businesses to get the right start, the right grounding and positioning in order to help them grow their company. I've been involved in, you know, the, entrepreneurial scene for a very long time, used to be a consultant with the Small Business Development Center years ago um, and, you know, worked with, you know, the Venture Venture Connectors Group here and and the I actually chair the State Commission on Small Business Innovation and Advocacy. So, you know, entrepreneurship is important to me and, and helping, you know, those businesses be successful. So, we, you know, we're putting together those packages that'll let you define that core brand and it doesn't cost you 40 or $50,000, you know, to get that done. Um, and then ways to communicate it that are more affordable for small business. And then we've got, you know, opportunities for bigger companies, you know, and most of them that come to us, like we did Old Forester's website, their brand's already defined. They know who they are. I mean, they're the oldest bourbon that Brown Foreman sells. So really from that point, then how do we help them communicate that brand maybe differently than they've thought about before? Uh, maybe with different messaging or positioning uh, and building on that core brand. So we've got something for pretty much everybody, you know, especially for startups and small businesses. I recommend that you utilize the resources that are available to you that are free. You know, go to the Small Business Development Center, talk to their their uh, management consultants there, use uh, what's Amplify here. And we have, you know, five offices over across the state, you know, in the entrepreneur uh, hubs that are part of the state uh, economic development cabinet uh, and utilize the services that they provide and the connectivity that they provide uh, to people uh, and just talk to people. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a great way to start if you, if you have little or no budget. Uh, and then once you do, it's interesting, you know, in, in working with the group over the years that you see is, is unfortunately the last thing a lot of those startups think about is marketing and brand position and messaging to your point earlier, they just get going and they just go and they're just head down in the weeds, focusing on, you know, either making their widgets or selling whatever it is that they have. And then they get down the road and, and hit kind of a, a plateau uh, because they didn't do that brand positioning work first and so they're selling widgets, but that's all they're doing. There's no brand for people to resonate with. So you can sell so much to a point. And then past that, it's 
people are like, why should I care? Why should I buy this one versus this one? Um, And then that's where that brand becomes so key to that next level of growth. It sounds to me like what I hear you saying is, you know, in every instance, it's always easier to start, you know, build the foundation for start start off right than to change it later. So instead of jumping to tools, which I do think it's expensive, it's very expensive. Yeah, and it's expensive to change it later because yep. you get it wrong at the beginning. And you know, we've had people come in and have to redo packaging. That gets expensive oh, because yeah. not only are you having to redo the art, but you're having to print new labels or new or boxes signage on or buildings. Whatever. I mean, there's a number. There's all kinds of signage or even the things that yeah. we do. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Know, there's a lot of things that we do where people yeah. will come in and, you know, feel like a logo change is necessary and it necessitates all new clothing and exactly. promotional items. It's like we threw this logo together and, you know, you know, had somebody on Fiverr do it or we did it ourselves on Canva. And, you know, then they get down the road and they're like, yeah, this really doesn't fit us anymore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are, there are ways to do that. that and we try to work with <clears throat> with groups, you know, to where maybe it's a longer term payment plan or, you know, just really dive into what it is they need right now and how can we help them get there and then hopefully grow with them as they grow. Get the brand positioning right up front as best you can is what I hear. Don't jump to tools. There's certainly an acknowledgement that as the business yeah. changes, people change, things evolve. You may have to revisit the, the your brand your brand oh, sure. positioning later, but do oh, everything yeah, you absolutely. can to get that right up front. It'll save you a lot of pain later. Um, that's that's excellent advice, and it's. I mean, I think in some respects that's uh, that's probably one thing I think that we did well is um, we we got the logo and the name right pretty much, but the iterations that we've had to make and we continue to have to make are a little bit more trying to get clear on on that identity and the value that we bring. So, um, Lisa, I've taken up all the time that you promised to give me, which I really appreciate. So, first, hey, thank you so much. Um, sure. for taking the time to do this. I really have enjoyed the conversation. I think it's going to be valuable, very valuable for people who are just interested in the topic of branding, especially if anybody's in in the throes of making some decisions about that. Can you tell people how they can connect with you and Mightily if they would like to do that? Sure. Uh, you can find Mightily online at mightily.com. You can find us on all social media platforms at BBE Mightily is our handle. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, and feel free to reach out. Um, happy to have a conversation, grab a coffee, grab a lunch and just talk through things. I always find that interesting because you, you never know who you're going to meet and what you're going to learn. Uh, so, yeah, you can find us all of those ways. Yeah, that's actually how we connected is we, we sort of I think we'd run across each other a time or two. But I was I was heading into a coffee meeting. You were heading out and it was with a mutual <laughs> client that uh, has since been acquired. And yeah. Uh, and yeah. And then you, yeah. you gave me some time to have coffee. <laughs> and, then, and then here we are. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Lisa, again, for doing this. And I look forward to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Landon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brand Herald podcast. For more information, please visit thebrandherald.com. Also, please subscribe to our show and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things branding. Thanks again for listening.